Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 6, Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken is over. But we're just getting started here on the Game of Thrones Book Club. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wiggler, and I am here with somebody who needs no veil. What veil? It's Terry Schwartz. What's up, Terry? That was a really good intro for me. I really appreciate you that. I no feel like veil. you've been rehearsing it. You require no veil. I was, I was rehearsing it in a mirror all day. <laughs> getting getting amped up to to introduce you, but no, I kind of just want to get right into this. You know, I want to I want to I want to get through the intro. I want to get through all of this uh, little spoiler alert babble, just so we can start getting to the to the heart of the matter. It's a big episode that we got to talk about here on the Game of Thrones Book Club. Uh, so just to get that out of the way, prerequisite spoiler warning: This is the podcast for people who watch Game of Thrones, have also read the books, or otherwise do not care about spoilers from the books. If you do not qualify as one of those people, get out of here. Go away. Get get gone. Go. Oh, shoot. Get out. Bye. If you're still here, it's your own damn fault. It's, a, it's your own damn fault. All right. So now now we can talk about this stuff. We can talk about this episode. Episode six of season five. Um, big episode. This is the episode where we finally see that Sansa Stark's storyline is going to be mirroring Jane Poole's from the books in some really terrible ways. This is the episode where we where we get um, the show's version of the Ariane Martell and Ariel Hota and uh, Aris Oakhart scene from A Feast for Crows. This is the episode where we go deeper into the house of black and white. Um, this is the episode where we're going to figure out how uh, Jorah and Tyrion are going to be getting to Meereen, and that is going to be different from how it happens in the books. We're going to find out about how Marjorie is getting arrested. That is also different from the books. So lots of things happen in this episode, <laughs> and almost <laughs> all of them were different from the books, or at least tied to the books in some interesting um, and honestly very difficult ways. Um, so Terry, just broad strokes, what was your take on this episode that really has, um, I feel like has lit fandom on fire today? Um, I think, you know, just perusing online, looking through my Twitter feed and looking at a lot of um, websites that have written commentary about this episode and um, even the people involved from Brian Cogman and Sophie Turner, uh, Brian Cogman being one of the writers of the show, Sophie Turner playing Sansa Stark. Um, George R. R. Martin has weighed in on this as well. We'll get into all of that. What's your take, Terry, before we even get into all of that? What did you think of episode six? Well, obviously, we're going to spend a good deal of time talking about the end of the episode. And I think that that is coloring a lot of the discussion about it. It's really hard to look at this episode sort of objectively. But I think that if you do take out everything that happened at Winterfell, I really liked a lot of the changes. I really liked a lot of the story points. Um, there was no Danny, so it was a stronger episode. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> uh, like, you know, my biggest complaint is with Dorn. I think they're just, everything is just cheesy there. I'm, I, we can talk about that later, but yeah, I'm not yeah, really yeah. talking about Dorn stuff. Um, but I thought the stuff with Jorah and Tyrion was great. I thought that the... Lady Olena returning, wonderful. I love her. She's amazing. She's not going to put up with Cersei's shit. I can't wait. Uh, the House of Black and White and Hall of Faces stuff, incredible. But then Sansa Stark got raped. Then, and yes. there, you can't, you, honestly, my biggest problem is like, yes, okay, David, Dan, Brian can absolutely do whatever they want with the show. It's their show. I get it. I'm not mad at them. I'm not, like, like I get it, but... To me, there's no coming back from that for this character, nor should there be. And I feel like it's a bit repetitive and just very upsetting yeah. for this yeah. for this character who has been the victim and risen above that to then be raped and have to rise above it again. Like, 
George R. R. Martin is a great writer with great twists that you look back on and you're like, these were justified and I should have seen this coming and I didn't. And like, maybe you can say that you should have seen this coming for Sansa, but I think that there's a reason that George R. R. Martin has written these big fantasy novels and these other people haven't. And I think when they try to do these twists, they just don't have the same impact or resonance that something like the red wedding does because like I'm upset about the red wedding, but I'm not like that was a stupid move. And here I think that this probably was a bit stupid in some ways. Yeah. So, so it's interesting because this is, you know, this is in the books, not with Sansa, but this is something that happens in the Winterfell storyline in a dance with dragons. Jane Poole, uh, who is posing as Arya Stark, uh, is, is married to Ramsey. Ramsey has very forceful sex with her. Uh, it's, it's even, it involves reek directly. There's, I have the, I have the passage actually open here in my copy of a dance with dragons it's the big honking hard cover that came out when the book first came out i was gonna read it then i read it <laughs> and you're like There's and i decided no i won't be reading it but it's you know page 498 page 499 it's one of the theon chapters and it's really terrible and um you know this was this was the chapter just as a side uh that before the show confirmed it this was the this was the chapter that really gave you the biggest clue that theon's uh penis is no longer with us r.i.p reeks reek um we uh we have this line where um ramsey tells him reek get over there get ready for me for a moment he did not understand i do you mean my lord i have no i and that's when lord ramsey says with your mouth uh which is you know it's it's all it's all really really brutal terrible stuff the way that it's written um you know it's it's a lot of a lot of setup and then it cuts away before before things happen thankfully which is i guess fairly similar to how they did it on the show except you know you hear stuff you you see the imagery of ramsey ripping Sansa's dress you see the horrified look on Reek's face and it was just it was so unpleasant it's really unpleasant in the book it's very unpleasant on the show and I don't know I'm 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 struggling with it because it is it is an event from the books but the Sansa aspect of it is not in the books and these kinds of things you know Sansa has been through so much and has been in abusive relationships before and it's like what is the narrative point of putting her through that again. Um, and you know, I, I had held out kind of wondering, you know, what is it going to look like on the show? What, what is the story going to be like when we get there on the show? We'd been talking about this in past book clubs and it was kind of just a, well, let's wait and let's see, let's see how it goes. And, you know, I'm definitely feeling icky. We're recording this the day after the episode aired and I'm, I'm not feeling fantastic about it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I, I guess it's sort of funny. Um, so yesterday when the episode aired, I was actually covering the Billboard Music Awards from afar in the office. And I had to step away in the middle of a three-hour music award show and watch this hour of TV. And I really couldn't work after that. I was pretty used. Like, I'm the editor. I'm supposed to be telling people what to do. And when I told everyone, I was like, a TV character I really care about just got raped on Game of Thrones. And I'm not doing okay with it. And I can't do this right now. I do, like... Like, it's a terrible thing that happened, but I, I want to, again, underline, like, don't send hate at the the showrunners or at Brian Cogman, who's the only writer uh, involved with the show who's online. Like, don't stoop there. You can be upset with the show, but they're allowed to make their own decisions. And if, if you're going to be upset about it, be 
rational about it. And that's hard to do on Twitter. Just like, don't be that person who sends no, Twitter it's, hate it's, at someone. Like, I just, I saw a lot of that last night. Yeah. And, and I think that it's, like, again, we can have good discussions about it, but just, like, spamming someone hate isn't the way to go about it. And I also just want to say, as upsetting as the scene was, I thought that that acting from Sophie Turner, Alfie Allen, and Iwin Rion was phenomenal. Like, I thought that they nailed that scene, no pun intended, for all that it was. And, like, that... The look on Sansa's face when she realizes what's going to happen and that she can't stop it and she has to go along with it. And then the final shot on Theon's face, like, are part of why this scene is so disturbing. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, whether whether you think that the, the episode should have included the scene or not, I don't think that there's any debate about how disturbing it was. It was it was very disturbing and really tough to watch. I mean, you talk about how you had to get back to work on the Billboard uh, Awards. Rob Sesternino and I had to get right on the air <laughs> and talk about it. It was really difficult. Um, at least you could talk about it with well, someone. I was just sitting we, there. We could like, talk about it, but it was, it was really hard to, to have, you know, 15 minutes to process what just happened and then hop on. I mean, um, you know, people who listen to book club and also listen to the live show. And if you listen to the live show live, if you watch the live show while we're doing it on Sunday nights, you know, it's, it's not a long time between an episode ending and getting on the air and gathering your thoughts and organizing what you want to say and your feelings about an episode on a good day on like a, on like a basic episode of game of Thrones. Not that there are too many basic episodes, but on something like that, it was really difficult. It was really difficult to collect ourselves. I thought that we did a pretty good job, but you know, it's, it's, it's such a tough conversation. It's a really important conversation. Um, it's, it's, you know, what, what's, what's interesting to me is what we've decided to keep and what we've clipped from the books, you know, this season, you know, there, this has been a season of a lot of changes. This has been a season where certain characters are in certain places that they're not in the books. Um, this has been a season where, and really the show for a while, it's been, you know, a, a place where we're getting rid of the strong bellwazes of the world. We're getting, we're getting rid of certain storylines We're um, we're adding in new storylines. And then there are things that like, what are we, what are we keeping from the books? What are we deeming essential? Because if we're going on this idea of what um, Benioff and Weiss have said in the past in an interview with you, Terry, um, when they've, when they've said like, we're trying to, you know, uh, look inward, we're trying to condense, not expand. We're trying to resist that urge. Okay. So you're condensing. What are you keeping from the material? And this is a scene that they chose to keep. And it makes you wonder why. It makes you wonder why is this of all of the scenes that you are uh, keeping and all of the scenes that you're getting rid of, like why is this in the keep column? Why is this scene with Ramsey so pivotal to what happens next for Sansa that you got to keep it? I mean, I think that I get... I get it in terms of it's we're trying to bond Sansa and reek through a through a shared trauma because I, I do believe that, you know, we're going to go to the place where we go in the books where Theon saves Jane and like breaks free of reek and becomes Theon again and escapes Winterfell with Jane Poole. Uh, you know, I get that we need to get those two on the same page emotionally. Is this how we had to do it? Is this, you know, is this just a, a, you know, is this, is this a unique enough set of circumstances? Is this a unique enough horror that Sansa has to endure uh, that is, you know, different enough from what she has already endured that we have to have this particular thing happen to her here? I mean, we know Ramsey Bolton. We've seen how horrible he is. We've seen what he's done to people. Um, 
I think what's what's difficult is, you know, logically on the wedding night, whatever sexual encounter is going to happen between Ramsey and Sansa isn't going to be pleasant, probably, because he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's into getting your jollies the normal way uh, or, or a way that's going to be friendly for, you know, your partner. Um, but I, I think. You know, it, it's just it's it's tough. Like, how do you how do you how do you cross that bridge? How do you cross that bridge of that's the logical outcome for Ramsey versus showing, you know, something that might be too far? And it's a really tough balancing act. And, you know, I think that people who watch the show, who talk about the show, who think about the show, um, I think that they are having a lot of trouble coming to coming to terms with this. And, and I don't think it's unfair. I think I think it's rightfully so that this has been a really difficult thing for people to get their heads around. And it certainly has been for me. And I mean, George said that in George R. R. Martin said that in his live journal blog response, like he did. Yeah, so his, his so, overall response was basically like we all knew there were going to change be changes. There have been forever. That was really all he had to say about it. And right. He was like, don't have these discussions here. But to me, something that I stuck out to me is that he said that this response was not unexpected. Right. Yes. Which means. They all knew. They all knew this is how people were going to react. Yeah. So this is this is what George wrote. He wrote on his live journal, um, I think this morning, actually, um, late last night, it looks like at midnight, around midnight last night. Um, George wrote, he has a little bit of a preamble about there are better places to talk about this. So comments are closed. Uh, comments that have happened have been deleted. But here's what I have to say about it. He says, let me reiterate what I've said before. How many children did Scarlett O'Hara have? Three in the novel, one in the movie, none in real life. She was a fictional character. She never existed. The show is the show. The books are the books. Two different tellings of the same story. There have been differences between the novels and the television shows since the first episode of season one. And for just as long, I've been talking about the butterfly effect. Small changes lead to larger changes, lead to huge changes. HBO is more than 40 hours into the impossible and demanding task of adapting my lengthy, extremely, and complex, exceedingly novels with their layers of plots and subplots, their twists and contradictions and unreliable narrators, viewpoint shifts and ambiguities and a cast of characters in the hundreds. There has seldom been any TV series as faithful to its source material by and large. If you doubt that, talk to the Harry Dresden fans or readers of the Sucky Stackhouse novels or the fans of the original Walking Dead comic books. But the longer the show goes on, the bigger the butterflies become. And now we have reached the point where the beat of butterfly wings is stirring up storms like the one presently engulfing my email. Pros and television have different strengths, different weaknesses, different requirements. David and Dan and Brian and HBO are trying to make the best television series that they can. And over here, I am trying to write the best novels that I can. And yes, more and more, they differ. Two roads diverging in the dark of the woods, I suppose. But all of us are still intending that at the end, we will arrive at the same place. In the meantime, we hope that the readers and viewers both enjoy the journey or journeys as the case may be. Sometimes butterflies grow into dragons. Lots to say, lots to say, George, uh, on on the eve of Sansa Stark's um, really, really terrible, terrible trauma that happens here in Winterfell. Um, and, you know, it's it's speaking to really what he has said before, but, you know, applying that to this really extreme scenario. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I don't, usually that's good enough for me. I don't know that it's good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, like this is I, this is a hard one. I, I'm really having a hard time justifying it. And I think people who are regular listen listeners of our podcast know that for the most part, we're like pretty solid defenders of the show. But to me, I maybe by the end of the season, we'll understand why this was a necessary plot point. Um, but as it stands right now, 
it doesn't feel necessary to me. Um, we have to, we have to, I do, we have to see where it goes or we don't. I mean, you and I do because we have to keep watching the show. Uh, but there, there are lots of people, Terry, who are saying today, like I'm done. I'm out. Enough is enough. That's it. No more. Why am I watching this show anymore? It's just always so, so depressing. And this is just a bridge too far. And a lot of people have cut the cord, you know, a very, uh, very prominent, blog and, and website, uh, pop culture commentary from the Mary Sue.com, the Mary Sue.com announced today that they're not going to be covering game of Thrones anymore. You know, there, there are sites that have just said like, Nope, that's it. Thanks. But no, thanks. Uh, on that bridge to the twins. Uh, I'm, I'm out of here. Um, so, you know, there, there are people who don't have to give this a shot. Apparently there are people who are choosing it's, it's over. I mean, you and I will have to see where this goes, but some people are just saying, Nope, I don't need to know where it goes. I'm done. Yeah, that's actually sort of how I framed my recap yesterday was with a lot of fans saying that they're done. And the response I got to that was either people saying, oh, that's not how the mainstream fans feel. Like those people are just babies or like, what did they expect? But to me, this is a really different turn for the show. I mean, it's not like the Red Wedding where, yes, you're upset that, all of these main characters died. This story just stopped, but like ultimately it does make narrative sense. And while like, yes, the justification could be, of course, Ramsey is going to rape Sansa on their wedding night because he's Ramsey. I just, it just feels like to me, it feels a bit repetitive. Like we did this story. And if, if, you know, Sansa found herself in this situation again and turned around and stabbed Ramsey in the neck and like did something that really showed her coming back from it and like showing her strength in that way, that would be one thing. But like, she will always be a rape survivor, no matter, even if she just is like still with it next week's episode is like, what am I going to do to endure this? she will still be a victim of rape and she will always have lost her virginity to rape, to Ramsey. And like that changes her character forever. And it should. Um, I do like one thing that I saw a couple people tweet that I really take issue with is people saying, well, she didn't say no and she didn't try to stop him. So it's not. Rape. Yeah, come on. We don't even need to hit that. Like, like that makes my stomach. That's a, that's a fundamental misunderstanding of how this works. I, I mean, I just like that. This is a rape scene. That is the end of that. Yeah, I, like, I do. I do think rape. I do think that that's a difference between this scene, this season and the Jamie and Cersei thing from last season, which is I don't think that they intended to make a rape scene last season. Uh, the Jamie and Cersei sex scene next to Joffrey's body. I don't believe that that was intended to be that. Uh, that you know, it was certainly read that way um, by a ton of people, uh, a ton of viewers, if not people involved with the show itself. And ultimately, I think it's the, the viewers read the audience read is is more important than the author's intent uh in in my book and you know i i i think that that's another reason though why this is such a a kind of perplexing thing the way that this was done the way that this was shot the way it was presented is because like you know game of thrones you came under a lot of fire for a rape scene you didn't mean to do uh, so you're going to like <laughs> intentionally do another rape scene, you know, like, a, a you know, 10 episodes later, you know, something like that. It's just like, whoa, OK. Um, I, I want to bring up something about right. that, about the way they shot the scene that on like, honestly, right now, as it stands, I'm not really sure how I feel about it. So I'm just going to like lay it out. And, and what I'm saying now, again, is like sort of trying to work through it. Sure, of course. But, 
But the fact that the scene ends with a close up on Theon's face as we, the audience, realize that he this is part of a transformation from Reek back to Theon. Um, I I don't know I don't know how I feel about that because on the one hand I'm glad that Game of Thrones didn't show Sansa getting raped. Uh, I'm glad that we didn't physically see that happening. But on the other hand, I understand and sort of agree with the complaints like, why are you making this be about how this rape affects Theon instead of how it affects Sansa? Like, I think it might have been more powerful if the show didn't switch to Theon and instead just stayed on that close up of Sansa's face as we're watching it. And then like her last cry echoes as it fades to black, like it happened. Um, I think... Like, while I understand the intent was that Theon's horror was supposed to echo the audiences, and, like, we were supposed to be feeling that together, maybe they shouldn't, maybe they should have had it be Sansa's moment. Well, yeah. This is what I mean. Like, I'm not, I'm not quite sure one way or another which... No, but I but, but I but I've heard I've heard that complaint. I I get that complaint. You know, I I think it's taking a little bit of the of the um, it's putting a lot of the emotional impact on on Theon when sure he's he's been through some traumas himself, and this is a, a traumatic thing to see. But it does take a, a bit of the power away from how it's impacting Sansa by by lingering on Theon. And I think interestingly, if the point is to see like reek transforming into theon like to see theon coming alive in that moment i don't think a lot of people got that i was looking at my timeline last night just as people were were uh reacting to the episode and and you know hitting me up about it was a lot of people being like well you can't redeem theon anymore because he just stood there and watched uh you know there's there's a lot of people who are really furious with with reek today uh with with theon as well um which is an interesting interesting reaction you know the reactions to this have really been fascinating um you know i it's 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 not kind of it's it's straight up horrible that this is you know what we're what we're monday morning quarterbacking about game of thrones but the but the reactions have been you know wide-ranging and really kind of eye-opening about what what matters to people what lines you can't cross and um and what's appropriate to show on this show and what's too much. Um, and, and the people who aren't as faced by it as well, I, I find interesting. So the whole thing is, is, is really interesting, but it's just, it's deeply disturbing as well. And it sucks that, you know, we have spent, you know, close to the first half hour of the, of the game of Thrones book club having to talk about this, that this is a thing that happened. I think that for me, how I feel about it is this, this is, and it'll be a bit of a ramble, but I'll, but I'll try, I'll try and arrive at some kind of point. Um, in the in the world that we're talking about, within the world of Game of Thrones, um, with with the characters that we're dealing with in this instance, you can't marry basically anybody to Ramsay Bolton and expect the sexual encounter of that wedding night and the nights that follow to be pleasant. You know, that's not Ramsay Bolton. Ramsay Bolton is established as a disturbed, psychopathic, horrible, uh, sexually abusive man. Um, and anything else to me doesn't feel true. That being said, we get that. We know that. That's implied with, with who Ramsay is. And I don't know that we needed to really, really go there in terms of making that explicit on the show. Um, you know, does that mean that we just completely avoid the wedding night issue? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that is what we do. Or maybe there's just a way to have 
Sansa going to to bed with Ramsay in a way that is, um, you know, makes you feel dark things in the pit of your soul, but doesn't disturb you in this way where it's more of like, you're, you're more mourning the fact that this is, this is where she's going on her wedding night rather than it being just so explicitly horrible. I don't know. You know, I, I just think that yes, logically in the world of Westeros, in the world of game of Thrones, this is how Ramsey Bolton is going to quote unquote celebrate his wedding night. Um, but I just, I, I feel like we get it. You know, we get it. We, we know that already. And to, to throw this onto Sansa, like, I just don't know that we need to do this to Sansa. I think that Sansa has been through so much. And then the other thing that I do wonder about, and this was pointed out to us by a couple of people on Twitter was like, if this is something that the writers are choosing to include on the show because it's something that's really important for Sansa's character, is this a, a tip-off that something like this is going to happen to Sansa in the books? Like, is Sansa going to be a rape survivor in the books at some point? Okay, so that's actually something I wanted to touch on. I don't think so. Honestly, I don't think so. Like, clearly they're doing the Jane Poole storyline with a character. Like, we were talking about how Ariane is reappropriated to... Um, to Ilaria and, and those other things that are going on in John Connington, um, getting, or sorry, Jorah getting John Connington's like, to right. me, it's just reappropriation. And I don't think that it's necessarily indicative of like specific plot points that happen down the road. I'm sure new horrors await Sansa in the books. I'm sure she's not going to be happy at the veil forever. I don't think that means Harry the heir is going to end up raping her. Um, and that's actually ties into something that I've been feeling where this season, I've just felt like a real disconnect with the show characters. And especially since I'm like, well, I've cared about the book characters a lot more. These are becoming vastly different versions. Maybe I just won't let myself be so invested in seeing this happen to Sansa on the show because I know it's not going to play out the same way in the books. Yeah. I don't know. Have you felt any of that at all? Like um, maybe I just stepped well, no, I mean, I, I, attachment. I, I've absolutely felt that in, in the way that I've detached the show and the books from each other to a certain degree. Like I'm, I am watching the show as the show and I'm waiting for the books as the books and I'm using the books as, as guideposts, guideposts to um, help us predict things that are going to happen on the show. But I mean, that's kind of the viewpoint that I've taken with this show. And I think I've been pretty public about that. I've, I'm fairly agnostic about the changes from the books. This is, this is like the first this is the first one that's really bugged me um and and really um i mean and that that's such a soft way of putting it. like this is the first one that's really disturbed me this is the first one where i really kind of you know sat back and said i don't know about this choice guys like this seems like you didn't do this right like you didn't did you really need to include this and did you need to attribute it to sansa um well that's the thing like to me this is the first time the show has done something truly terrible that wasn't in the books. Like, yes, the Jane Poole stuff was in the books, but Sansa did not get raped in the books. It would be like if they killed Oberyn and Oberyn was still alive in the books. You know, like it, the show is making this decision to go down this dark path and have bad things happen to characters that we care about. And I guess, I guess as we deviated, I sort of like forgot that there could be horrible things that happened that I wasn't emotionally prepared for because I right. read them in the books years ago. Uh, and obviously horrible things are going to continue to happen, but it, it just feels different. And I think part of it 
And like, I don't want to rag on David Benioff and, and Dan Weiss and Brian Cogman. I think they're all really good writers and have done a lot of great stuff, but I think that they just like don't have what George has to make these horrible scenes feel necessary. Yeah. I don't know. I, and again, I, we haven't got, we haven't gotten, we don't know where it's going. Maybe I'll be biting my tongue. Right. A couple of I mean, obvi- obviously it's a very, 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 very difficult thing to, to talk about and a very difficult thing to reconcile. Um, and I, I think one of the things that I feel like sucks about this is I've really enjoyed Sansa and Winterfell. I think that that's been a great change. I think that bringing the Stark back into Winterfell and having her like this moment where she says to Miranda, I'm Sansa Stark, bitch, get out of my way. You know, like I, I there's, there's been a lot of great Sansa things that have been happening. And I'm still excited about the potential of Sansa in Winterfell. I just, I feel like this was such a, this just feels like such a, such a big thing that, that did not need to be done on the show. Um, and you know, I, I, again, like we, we knew that something like this was very likely coming. Um, and it was, it was very much a, well, let's wait and see how it plays out. But there are people who, who saw this coming and were forecasting that it was really going to be awful. Uh, like just to name check one, Antonio Mazzaro, who has done tons of podcasts here on Posha recaps and on the game of Thrones podcast itself was, I, I remember Antonio saying, this isn't going to be good. And Antonio has, I, I know that Antonio has really been dreading this scene for a while. Um, and you know, you know, that, that might be a sign that Antonio is a smarter human being than I am. That's certainly true. Um, but I, I think, you know, he, he was more in, in tune with just how, how horrible this really would be. And I, I guess I'm, I'm a little shell shocked by just how bad that was. Um, and I don't know. I mean, we could, we could spend the whole episode talking about, about that one part of it, but there's, there's a lot more to cover. I think that this is going to be an ongoing conversation. I think that we've contributed a piece to that conversation right now. Um, but unless you got a little bit more to say on it, Terry, I think let's, let's move on to some of the other things that happened in the episode. Yeah, because there are actually some things that I enjoyed in this episode, surprisingly. <laughs> well, there's some things that we enjoyed in this episode and probably some things that, that we didn't love. Where, where do you want to go first? What, what, how about this? Let's, we've talked about such a sad, terrible thing for so long. Give me the Queen of Thorns. Let's, let's go to the Queen of Thorns. Give me, give me the Queen of Thorns, Terry. What do you want to talk about with her? I missed her so much. <laughs> that's it. And that's it. <laughs> like, like, honestly, that scene that parallels the the great scene from last season between Lady Olena and Tywin, where Tywin is writing letters and they just have this heart to heart versus when Cersei tries to pull the same mood move and Olena is like, you aren't writing anything. You aren't your father. Stop trying to do this little girl. And Cersei's like, I'm so smart. I can do all the things. Yes. I'm going to screw you over. Like, like. I cannot wait to see Cersei's fall a couple episodes from now. I really thought they did a great job uh, with all that stuff. And I'm glad that they brought her back to get justice for her family. Well, because. hopefully it'll work out that way. I mean, this is the episode where Marjorie Terrell is going to get arrested by the faith militant. Uh, Loris is still behind bars in the books. Loris is potentially dead on Dragonstone, I think, or at least severely, severely. He's very badly burned. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's horribly wounded on Dragonstone right now. He's in jail. Uh, he's, he's in custody of the faith militant on the show. Um, and there, there have been some changes in, in this storyline as well. There's changes everywhere this season. Um, but, 
with with the Cersei stuff, you know, we're not getting the the whole. Um, I, I, and it's been a little while since I since I've read this, but it's basically she's Cersei's accusing Marjorie of lying about her virginity, right, and that she had mm-hmm. been having an affair. So we've ta- we've taken that out of here. We've taken some other stuff out of here. This was um, a question we got written into us, or more more of a commentary from Chris. Chris wrote in and said the Cersei v Marjorie storyline is one that I've been looking forward to for a while now, but I found myself becoming more and more disappointed with the show's treatment of the storyline. In Feast, Cersei is a full-blown alcoholic at this point, and her paranoia is at its breaking point. Given the fantastic drunken Cersei scene in the Blackwater episode, I can't imagine why they haven't incorporated her alcoholism into the show. Um... So, so yeah, I, I think that that's, that's one aspect of Cersei that we're really not getting right now. Uh, she's, she's such a drunk. She's such a lush in the books. And I think that that is a huge contributing factor to why she's doing the things that she's doing in the books and why she gains some sympathy points from me. Uh, this is something that Rob brought up on the live show the other night where he was talking about, hey, Josh, remember when you said that Cersei might be a somewhat redeemed character this season? I don't like Cersei yet. Um, and this is more from Chris. Chris saying, with, with the penance walk just around the corner, do you think that there's time to ramp up this storyline to make it as satisfying yet heartbreaking as it is in the books? There's only four episodes left to have people really turn the corner on Cersei. Do you think that we have enough time to really feel that way about Cersei? I do, because think like if you think about it in the books, we're hating Cersei up through and past the walk of shame. Like, to me, it's not really until the end when you start being like, has she changed? Has she not? There's sort of that question in your mind. I think the reason, like, I've been enjoying Cersei this season in a way that I have not in the, I did not in the books. She was far from my favorite character in the books. Uh, And I think, honestly, like, they sort of did the alcoholism thing already and they're doing it with Tyrion so maybe that would just feel repetitive I don't necessarily I would like that I would like that I would like the two Lannisters who are, who yeah. are so physically far apart and who are so far apart in terms of um, their opinions of each other I would love to see the two of them both as just raging drunks and how they're both dealing with their alcoholism I mean that is a real world issue that I think would be interesting and exciting to explore on the show right and I mean maybe maybe it's yet to come but I do feel like I feel like we could get that switch where Cersei gets tried even next episode. Yeah. I feel like when it happens, it is going to be swift and I could see Lady Olena do some stuff around. And and that was something I was talking about last night after the episode with some friends. And what one of them said is like, Cersei is so smug in the books and what she doesn't realize and what you don't realize as well until she gets arrested is that she's implicating herself the entire time. Right. And I think we're seeing the seeds of that being set. And like, you just, you don't fuck with Lady Olena. No, <laughs> like, don't do that. Like, you don't do that. Um, so yeah, I, I also just have to say poor Tommen. <laughs> like, Tommen, yeah, Tommen, raise your hand. Speak up, kid. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> How can I have sex with my girlfriend when she's in jail? Yeah, I know. Well, the wife, I guess now. Yeah, he's, he's got a, like I said to Rob, he's got another record that he's going to go for. And it's not as, not as fun. Not as fun. yeah, yeah. He's going uh, solo player instead of co-op. Um, but yeah, I think um, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, how how we get Cersei behind bars if we can 
get people to kind of start feeling a little bit more sympathy for her because I do think right now the general consensus for how audience members are feeling about Cersei is not positive, I don't think. Um, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how she gets in trouble with the Faith Militant and how that whole thing happens, I think, is going to be... That's going to be pretty interesting. That's going to be pretty good. But yeah, it's great to see the Queen of Thorns back. You know, give me... I hope we get a few more episodes of her this season. For sure. Get Diana Rigg on every episode of Game of Thrones, please. Can we actually... Someone actually tweeted. They were like, can we just have Diana Rigg and uh, Charles Dance have their own spinoff series? Can we just bring Tywin back from the dead? (laughs) Or not? I don't know. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this. Sir, Sir Tywin Hart or something. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, well, let's. Is there anything more to talk about the the Cersei stuff, or no, should, we, just, should we talk I about her brother? Love, I just love the Queen of Thrones. No, before we get to Jamie and more negative stuff, I do and want more to, negative stuff and more negative stuff. I'm not emotionally ready yet. Um, I really like the Jorah and Tyrion stuff. Well, that's also season. her brother. We can talk about him. Oh yes. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about that. So let's talk about Tyrion and Jorah. Their their buddy cop bromance on the road. Loving this. I I am enjoying the dynamic between Peter Dinklage and Ian Glenn so much. And this is one of my favorite pairings that comes out of a Dance with Dragons. Seeing Tyrion and Jorah together is such a fun combo and I think the show is pulling it off. These are such great actors who've really inhabited their roles so terrifically that putting these two in the same scenes together has worked in a fantastic way. So, you know, again, this is another story that's taken departures from the books in terms of how they are going to be getting to Marine. We're talking about these these new pirate characters. I don't believe these guys are in the books. Uh, Mr. Echo and his happy band of pirates. I think that these are show only characters, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but, I mean, but I'm we liking always them. hear I'm, them talk about. I'm, I'm, also, I'm fine with it. If listen, if you want to make a change, here's here's some advice to to David, Dan, and Brian Cogman, and anybody at HBO who's listening. If you want to make me happy, if you want to <laughs> make my wigglery heart grow a few sizes, uh, and you need to make a change from the books, just make a change from the books via Lost, like through through some sort of person from Lost, and I will probably be pretty good. Uh, so, also, so changing he, their um, way of getting to Marine through uh, Mr. Mr. Echo is, is a way to do that. But he is also Kit Harrington's BFF from Pompeii. That's right. That's correct. Yeah, I remember. Which I, I, which I definitely did be. not see. <laughs> which I certainly did. And Kit's abs are glorious. And I'm sad that we didn't get them on Game of Thrones. Well, but that is a separate story. That is a separate story and a separate podcast. Uh, what You know, we talked a little bit last week about how heavy handed in some ways, or, or overt, uh, some of the um, setup the the writers are trying to do has been this season, both with John being a Targaryen, but also with Danny turning into the Mad King. Yes, Tyrion essentially says that. Yes, in this episode, which I like, I am so excited because you guys know I've been saying this forever. I'm like. I know. Dan, like, like they just said everything I said. And also, I think it's so important that after five seasons of like we as the audience blindly following Danny and being like, she should sit on the Iron Throne to finally have a character being like, uh, but what if she shouldn't? is much needed. Yeah, no, that's like, I cool. I really like that. Yeah, it's cool. I tend not to, you know, you, you say this a lot about uh, like Mad Queen Daenerys and that's not where I think that storyline is going. I think that Danny has more of a hero's journey, but what if she doesn't? It is, it is a possibility on the table, even if it's one that I don't consider all that strongly. Um, it is said often in the books that like it's a flip of the coin if the Targaryens are going to wind up being awesome or horrible. Um, and for that to be voiced on the show, to be given voice on the show, does make me like pause and wonder 
is this on the show because that's where we're going or is it just on the show because we should be asking that question like will a moment come where danny could make that choice to be great or terrible um and it makes me wonder like what if what if it does what if the coin on does land on like a bad day on on mad queen daenerys what if you know in the books she's encountering the um this these dothraki uh and she's going to you know she and drogon and this dothraki army are going to like raid marine and just like burn the whole place and be like all right now let's go to westeros and burn that place like what who knows it's possible um but just to have that even voiced on the show by Tyrion talking about how danny could like wind up being terrible uh and what really makes her worthy of sitting the iron throw and having that conversation with a guy like jorah who's not really equipped to have that conversation i thought was interesting yeah absolutely and and i hope that this sort of does force the audience to ask that question because last season i think was a lot about the deconstruction of Arya stark and there's still uh it was i went home for mother's day weekend and was talking with my 20 year old brother who just recently caught up on game of thrones and has known that i've loved it forever and he's like Arya's the best blah 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 and i was like that's not how Maisie wants you to feel about her and i don't think amelia clark will ever come out and say oh you should start questioning whether danny is a good queen i actually asked her and she was like of course she's a good queen I was like, all right, well, we can debate that, we can of talk course, about element, that. yeah. Uh, but but I think that, like, even just forcing the audience to reevaluate it is something really important. Because uh, Game of Thrones is Game of Thrones, and bad things happen to characters you like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <sighs> Unfortunately, as, we, as we've seen uh, throughout, throughout this season, throughout this past episode. Um, well, do you, want, do you want to continue with things you like, or would you like to end with things you like? And we can cut into Dorne right now. Um, we can, let's, no, cut, let's, let's cut, let's cut to Dorne. Let's cut, to, okay. let's cut to Dorne. So we don't end on such thoughts. a, such a dour note because I don't think either of us loved what happened in Dorne. I just think the sand snakes are really stupid. Yeah, on the I'm, show. I'm ready. I'm ready to say like, I, I was keeping a pretty open mind about the sand snakes. I was really excited to see them. I actually really liked their first scene, but now we're, we're six episodes into this thing. We just haven't seen a ton of the sand snakes and what we have seen, um, what we saw in last night's episode really kind of felt cheesy. It was a pretty bloodless battle. And I'm just like, <laughs> The fighting wasn't really that great either. Well, you know, it's just the way that it's done in in the book in in a feast for crows you know we're talking about different players like jamie and Bronn are not involved uh we're talking about arian martell instead of hilarious sand uh we have like aris okart is involved we've got like the the dark star like we've got all of these d- different characters that are involved in this encounter we've got ariel hota being such a badass in this chapter that i'm, j- I'm just looking at it now and um i'll i, I want to read a little bit of it can i read a little bit can i just read yes. the, i'm just going to read the excerpt from a feast for crows where Aris Okart is going to make his like amazing charge. Uh, so we're going to have, uh, we're going to start it here. No, Sir Aris Okart put his horse between Ariane and the crossbows, his blade shining silver in his hand. He had unslung his shield and slipped his left arm through the straps. You will not take her whilst I still draw breath. You reckless fool was all that Ariane had time to think. What do you think you're doing? Dark stars laughter rang out. Are you blind or stupid? Okart? There are too many put up your sword. Do as he says, Sir Aris. 
Stray urged. We are taken, sir, Ariane might have called out. Your death will not free us if you love your princess, yield. But when she tried to speak, the words caught in her throat. Sir Aris Oakhart gave her one last longing look, then put his golden spurs into his horse and charged. He rode headlong for the pole boat, his white cloak streaming behind him. Ariane Martell had never seen anything half so gallant or half so stupid. No, she shrieked, but she had found her tongue too late. A crossbow thrummed, then another. Hota bellowed a command. At such close range, the white knight's armor had as well been made of parchment. The first bolt punched right through his heavy oaken shield, pinning it to his shoulder. The second grazed his, tempo, his temple. A thrown spear took Sir Aris's mount in the flank, yet still the horse came on, staggering as he hit the gangplank. No, some girl was shouting, some foolish little girl. No, please, this was not supposed to happen. She could hear Marcella shrieking too, her voice shrill with fear. Sir Aris's longsword slashed right and left, and two spearmen went down. His horse reared and kicked a crossbowman in the face as he was trying to reload, but the other crossbows were firing, feathering the big courser with their quarrels. The bolts hit home so hard they knocked the horse sideways. His legs went out from under from under him and sent him crashing down the deck. Somehow, Aris Oakhart leapt free. He even managed to keep hold of his sword. He struggled to his knees and beside his dying horse and found Ario Hota standing over him. The white knight raised his blade too slowly. Hota's long axe took, took his right arm off at the shoulder, spun away, spraying blood, and came flashing back again in a terrible two-handed slash that removed the head of Aris Oakhart and sent it spinning through the air. It landed amongst the reeds and the green blood swallowed the red with a soft splash. I mean, that's so good. Yeah. Say what you will about A Feast for Crows. That, that shit's dope. Uh, yeah. And and to com- compare that to what's going on in Dorne right now on the show, I know that there's budgetary restrictions and things like that, but if yes, but also they shot at the Royal Palace in Spain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, the, you know, I think another thing that I'm seeing that uh, I got hard, hard to deny is like Dorne is just a garden. Is Dorne, yeah. is Dorne just this one garden? Is that it? Is that all that Dorne is? Um, but like to have the Ario Hota of the show, all that he does in this scene, the only thing he does in this scene to break this thing up is like to yell a command and then like mockingly put his pole axe up against Jamie's throat uh, and nothing happens. Like there's no threat to Ario Hota on the show. Like you just don't care. Um, and like... Oh. To, to, to hear to hear like a member of the King's Guard just getting rocked by this guy in the books um, tells you everything about Ario Hota in one in, in you know, an excerpt that he's barely present for. Um, and I just that that sense of danger was just completely lacking from this fight scene where the only thing that I'm kind of taking note of is the fact that one of the sand snakes drew blood from Braun and I'm assuming he's poisoned. Oh, maybe. I didn't really. Which one was it? I don't remember which one uh, slash. Was it the one with the two da- the two daggers? Because she's Ilaria's daughter, and yeah, probably would be using poison. Yeah, I'd, ha- I'd have to look back. I'd have to go back and look. But I, I mean- just thought, like, I mean, people complain about lazy writing on this show, which I don't think is always necessarily the case. But like, Marcella and Tristan happen to be making out while Doran and Aria are watching, and the Sand Snakes happen to be trying to kidnap her at exactly the same moment that Jamie and Braun happen to be doing it. Like, what? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It just feels like Doran is just like some parent's backyard. Like it felt like a like a like a play date. Like it felt like, all right, I'll be the Sand Snakes. You're gonna be Jamie. You're gonna be Braun. We're gonna have this play fight. It's gonna be awesome. It felt like you know playtime in in your parents' backyard in summertime. Like it didn't. And I feel- just don't care about the Sand Snakes 
goal. Like they want revenge for Oberyn, but Oberyn died in like a fair fight under fair circumstances. Like, I just think that they seem like petulant little girls and like, they should be these badass people. And I think Ilaria is being stupid. And I think it's all like, I just don't care about that storyline. And I don't think that it's being well-written. And I think it's all like a bit hokey which is a huge bummer because I was so excited and like they opted to do Dorne over the Iron Islands because they thought there was more to do there and we've gotten like three scenes total with these new characters. Yeah. And I just like, I don't, I don't, I'm not impressed. Like at least Ariel Hotza could have like cut one of the sand snakes in half or something. Or like at least like could have <laughs> like, could have like, could have like chopped off Jamie's hand at the fake hand. Like could have like knocked that off or something. Just something like physical. Just something, just something cool. Otherwise he just looks like, you know, just a, just a total lame And I don't know. We need to see more of Dorn. Got to be more than a backyard. You know? Well, <laughs> totally. And we got to this point with the, the failed kidnapping attempt in episode six, I mean, to me, there's still time to send Tristane to Daenerys. To me, there's still time to do that storyline. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen yeah, with Jamie. We, we don't know anything about Tristane. Like we've we've had like five seconds of that guy. Oh, totally. I just like I if he's replacing Quentin, there's still time. I don't think that he's Seven. replacing Quentin. You don't think so? That, no, I think that's we're just been I, my theory. I think we're out on the Quentin thing. I just, I figured, because we know in the books, Doran has this master plan and has had this alliance um, to, or at least plan to try and get a Targaryen back, right? right. I yeah. remember. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so, I mean, that still could be the case. We still could be getting Doran's master plan. I don't know what else the point of this storyline is otherwise, if we aren't ultimately building to that yeah we'll have to see we'll have to see but i'm 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 interested i'm interested in where this is going but it's gotta it's gotta go somewhere good pretty soon you gotta we go just need more alexander Siddig. so far that's like the only part of yeah this he's good he's good we just need more i mean i mean that's that's doran too though you know that's doran martell you know he's he's a guy that you know doesn't really pop until he pops and takes a while to get there so i'm not too bummed on that quite yet i i like what we're doing with him um i just like if you're going to do like the sand snakes and if you're going to put them in battle against Jamie and Bron, like just and if you're going to have Ariel Hota show up, just like make sure like the production level and like the choreography and the danger of the situation is just like a few notches above the Mystic Knights of Tiernan Oak. Like, let's just let's do let's do a little bit better than Power Rangers level stuff here. It's just yeah. not, not not my favorite thing. All right. Well, let's let's close out. I think you have more to say about this than I do you because I, I actually don't remember too much about the Arya Stark storyline from the books <gasps> off the top of my head. But what did, what did you think? Of oh, this? From the books. I mean, I was just so excited yeah, you to were finally see inside. Like, I think I thought that the set design was stunning. We talked about how I was on set for Arya stuff. I wish I waited a week and came and saw the hall of faces. Yeah. That would be cool for the, you. And I, I tweeted um, one of the official photos that HBO sent out. It looks like it's all a practical set. Like it looks like they actually created all those faces um, that are on the walls. That's not so. That's CGI. where their budget went. <laughs> so, yeah. that's, that and Dan, so that's Dragon. why Ariel Hota can't cut off somebody's arm at the shoulder and their head in the upswing on the show. <laughs> I mean, I just I thought it was very stunning and exciting to see that since it's obviously such a cool setting in the books to see that visualized in such like a really jaw dropping way. To me, I was like, wow, there is a scale to this. Um, I thought was great. And, and also that scene where Aria has to, you know, play the game of faces with the little girl 
I, I was really moved by that scene. Um, and you know, obviously that led to Jacken deciding that she was ready to graduate to the next level of faceless men training. Yeah. You can be um, someone else. Yeah. I mean that, that lie and that whole story at first I was like, Oh, she's going to get in trouble for being so, you know, deciding that she should take it upon herself to administer this death right to this girl. But then watching it play out, I was like, Oh, she does get it. And, and this is really sad, but you know, shows some more depth to Aria, uh, or maybe that's not the right word, but just shows her having a little bit more, you know, emotion, uh, empathy for this situation, uh, than we've seen a lot. And also the, I think everyone who was a fan of the hound probably appreciated the fact that Aria was apparently lying, saying that she hated him and so lying to that, herself about it. Yeah. Rob, Rob and I talked about this on the show the other night. We were talking about like, why, why is Jaken still constantly hitting Aria after she's saying what she says about the hound? Uh, we had kind of come to the conclusion that um that Arya was basically saying I you know I couldn't do it like she was lying about like I couldn't I just couldn't pull the trigger I couldn't go through with it I didn't have the nerve I didn't have the courage to do it um your read on it is that it's Arya was lying about hating the hound like she kind of liked the hound yeah because she just kept being like I hated him and I left him to die and he hits her and she goes no I hated him and he hits her and she goes no no I hated him um and she's like don't lie to me so to me I mean, I think we all saw that there was like at least some respect. I don't think she loved the hound. I don't think he was like a replacement father figure or big brother or whatever, but I think that she respected him. And to a certain extent, he did come off her list or like move down her list. I think she was holding a grudge, uh, but I think she understood him and he clearly like had good feelings for her. Um, so I, you know, yeah, that's totally how I read that scene. Everyone can read it however they want, but I, no, I like that. I like, reading. That. I like that reading. I mean, again, uh, we, we recorded that show very quickly after the episode airs and there was a lot of energy focused on, um, and rightfully so on, on the, on the really big Sansa stuff from the night. So, uh, maybe, maybe wasn't reading that properly. I like your read of it. I think that's good. I think that's good. Um, any, anything else from, from this episode or should we, should we tidy up Terry? Let's tidy up. Uh, next week, we're going to Hard Home. And as I tweeted earlier, my favorite plot synopsis snippet from the entire series, I think, belongs to next week's plot synopsis. And it is, quote, Stannis remains stubborn. Stannis so, remains stubborn. <laughs> that's something to get excited about. That's all that we're getting? <laughs> well, good. there are a couple other, but like, but it's like, in, in the Hard Home episode, it just says John travels. Like, that's all we get really short spoiler free snippet so next week among other things stannis remains stubborn okay so that's good so stannis remains stubborn in next week's episode that's called the gift the gift is next week's episode and then the episode hard home is the week after so are we going to do back-to-back hard homes i think john will probably set off to hard home got it next week and then the big fight will be in episode eight and then we still have nine and 10 we still have nine and 10 there's still four more still yeah. four more we are still we're going to be talking about this for ready. another month still talking about it for another <laughs> month we still got a few more weeks to go here on the game of thrones book club uh terry difficult episode to talk about good job talking about it um and you know very curious to hear everybody else's take on on how all of this went down and how you guys have reacted to it and whether this was a huge huge turnoff for you what happened in this episode um if it was if it was such a big deal that you're you know you're out 
on Game of Thrones or if it's causing you to question anything um, or, you know, if, if it's not, if you're still with the show, but you're just really not thrilled with the development or if you've got defenses of, of what happened. I'm curious to hear those as well. I'm really just curious to get everybody's take on this because it was such a it was such a big moment for the show um, in in story and on a meta level. So I think that this is something that, you know, we're going to be talking about probably for a while online and offline. Um, so so hit us up with your questions, with your comments. Tweet at Terry. She's at Terry underscore Schwartz. I'm at Round Howard. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this episode. And we will be talking about episode seven, The Gift, episode seven of season, uh, season five, Game of Thrones, The Gift, next week. Terry, anything else? Uh, I guess if I could just say one thing, especially coming off you talking about sharing thoughts, is just... You know, this is our difficult topic for a lot of people. Just be respectful in the conversations online. Um, you're, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Just don't bring hate and judgments into it. Everyone who has ever communicated with me from this podcast has been just wonderful, and I adore all of you. Um, and I, I don't think that anyone would stoop to, to you know, being hateful or anything online, but I hear that you. is I hear advice. You. Be cool. Be cool. Yeah. Let's 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 be grown ups here. Let's let's talk like adults and let's uh, let's just uh, I echo what Terry said. Everybody who we've interacted with, uh, who are listeners of this podcast, have been fantastic. We love talking to you guys online. So let's let's just keep it up and let's have let's have a good conversation about this thing. Um, you know, it's a it's a difficult thing, but uh, let's let's just be cool. Let's be cool here. Uh, and Terry, you be cool. You be cool until I see you, you next cool. week. Until we talk you next cool. week. All right. <laughs> All right. Take care, Terry, and take care, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.